All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your precious, holy, written word. We know it's alive, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It is able to penetrate situations. It breaks things. It, it creates things. Your word, hallelujah. We're just so grateful to hear it. it. It helps us. It directs us. It corrects us. It warns us. It builds us up. It gives us an inheritance with the saints in life. We thank you for your word. Thank you for utterance tonight. And I know we're hungry tonight. Right, friends? We're hungry for it. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Somebody said amen. Amen. Well, uh, we certainly had a memorable Sunday morning service uh, last weekend, and uh, I'm going to read as a, as a precursor to the message, I'm going to read Psalm, a little bit from Psalm 37, but last Sunday morning as pastor was exhorting us by the Holy Ghost to roll our cares and concerns onto the Lord. How many of you remember that? We were, everybody say, rolling our cares upon the Lord, and everybody was going like this, and it was, a, it was amazing. And then we were, we were uh, admonished to trust in God and not in the world system, amen, to live light and easy. And so Psalm 37, I'm going to read this uh, to you and just kind of hang in there with me, probably four verses or so. Beginning with verse one says, fret not yourself because of evildoers, Uh, neither be envious against those who work unrighteousness, that which is not upright or in right standing with God. Um, For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust, lean on, rely on uh, the world system and be confident. Oh, no, that's not what it says, is it? I'm I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Just, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Just uh, checking to see if you're awake there. Trust and rely on and be confident in the Lord and do good. And so shall you dwell in the land and feed surely on his faithfulness. You guys are really sharp. And truly you shall be fed. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he will give you the desires and the secret petitions of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Everybody say, roll. And repose each of your load on him. Care of your load, each care of your load on him. Trust, lean on, rely on, and be confident in him. And he will, who's going to bring it to pass? He is going to bring it to pass. Amen. He will bring it to pass. Um, you know, friends, uh, we're in a season now as, as pastors encouraging about us about vision. Uh, and we're all supposed to have these handouts and you're going through these as we're waiting on the Lord regarding vision. I just felt compelled the moment that he asked me, would you minister? I, something came to my heart right away when I heard that uh, I might be called upon to minister tonight. And uh, basically, it was a story... Uh, from Genesis chapter 26, if you want to turn there, it's a story about Isaac. The title of the message tonight is Obedience, Agreement, and Peace. Obedience, Agreement, and Peace. These are essential elements of vision. Uh, this story about Isaac is very interesting. I guess I'm going to give the synopsis so, just to save time. But first of all, in verse 1, there was famine in the land. Okay, And uh, that means... Uh, not a whole lot of water. Water is scarce, and uh, uh, the, the the farmers are having a real hard time. Livestock is dying, and, and everything. And uh, uh, in this backdrop, uh, Isaac went to Gerar uh, to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, and the Lord appeared to him and said, "The Lord appeared to Isaac, and he said, Do not go uh, down to Egypt. Live in the land which I will tell you.'" Uh, and by the way, in verse 3, it said, Dwell temporarily in this land, and I will be with you and will favor you with blessings for you 
and to your descendants will I give these lands and perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. Now there's, a, there's an entire Bible study in those couple of verses. We're going to try to touch on those tonight. Is it okay? Everybody all right? Do we need... Let there be light. Watch this. Oh, let there be light. Oh. Uh, I just feel like bring up... There we go. Let there be more light. Yes. You see how powerful I see your words are so powerful. Yeah. All right, friends. Uh, yeah, I was... Starting to strain there. Uh, thank you. Uh, but anyway, I appreciate, I appreciate every, every, everyone that's serving tonight. You guys are doing a great job. Thank you. You see, in these couple of verses, what you see is direction that God gives, or I could call it instruction. He gives Isaac instruction. And it goes against the world system, like we were encouraged in the, in the Sunday morning services, don't rely on the world system. Why? Egypt was lavish and full of supplies, but where they were, it was dry and drab. It just didn't seem like very promising to stay there. But the word of the Lord came to Isaac and said, stay there. You know, it's like interesting. There's a lot of friends and, you know, that, that, that we know that made decisions when, you know, the uh, real estate thing was happening. A lot of people move way, way out there. You know, who knows? You know, they move really, 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 really far away. And they says, oh, I'm, I, I, don't worry. We're, we're still, you know, hooked up in church and everything. Well, many of them, thank God, they found another church to go to. But some of them didn't. Some of them just got hung to dry. And while they're out there, the real estate values went. And so the world, what they were, what the world system was promising was really lackluster. It really took, took a lot of our friends and, and hung them out to dry. I mean, a lot of us felt the pain of that. Isn't that right? But see, you can't always go to Egypt. You've got to first seek the Lord, right? So it doesn't always pan out, the world system, my, my friend. In fact, it, even if it seems like it's panning out, it, it's not going to pan out in the end. It really isn't. But the other thought here, he says... Uh, he said, dwell temporarily in this land. So stay where you are. So that was instruction. Now you move into the area of vision. Or how about this? An area of promise. He says, I will be with you. And I'm, I'm going to bring favor on you and bless you. And then he goes into vision like for the future. Your descendants. And I'm going to establish them and give all this land to you. That's vision. You know, something that's beyond where you are right now. Something that's your future. Pastor's having us pray, you know, about the future, right? So... Uh, combined in this little in this little scripture, you see a, a, a wealth of information. Let's start with part one, the uh, the heavenly instruction and vision. And so in Genesis 26, verse one through six, if you're following along, I'm in the Amplified Bible. Notice that he said in verse number two, as we pointed out, he said, do not go down to Egypt, live in the land, which I'm going to tell you and dwell temporarily here. And I will be with you and will favor you with blessings. Question. I wonder if it would have gone well for him if he would not. It, how would his vision played out if he would not have heeded the instruction? Not too well, right? See, that, that's a thought about it. Just like we can we can. We're waiting on God for a vision. But remember, along with vision comes instruction. And it's our responsibility to operate in obedience to whatever the instruction is. Whatever that instruction is. We need to, we need to trust the Lord, not the world system. Even if where you are seems drab. Because, because Isaac trusted God... In a dry and drab place, the anointing of God came on him. And it's very clear that he was, he was able then to, in that year, he was able to reap a hundredfold. Amen. 
See, I love a uh, message pastor preached a, a number of a months ago. He mentioned this. He says, same, same circumstances but different results. Because you're a, a man or woman of God. You're a covenant man or a covenant woman. Don't look for greener grass. Look for the anointing. The anointing on you will make the grass green. Boy, that wasn't too bad, was it? Some people are looking for the grass to be green where they're going to head to green grass. But you see, if God tells you, I want you right here and I'm going to cause the grass to be green right here as a sign and a wonder that I'm God. And I'm establishing my covenant with you. I like that. That's living on the edge, friends, or shall I say living on the word, being doers of the word. That's how we roll. Somebody say that's how we roll. So he goes on to say that Isaac stayed, so he obeyed the instruction. He stayed in the land. And then you see the heavenly vision, uh, which, which was when he started to say, I will make, verse 4, put that up on the screen. I will make your descendants to multiply as the stars of the heavens, and I will give you posterity, all these lands and kingdoms, and by your offspring shall all the nations of the earth. If that's not, if that's not vision, I don't know what is vision. That's huge right there. That's way beyond the hamburger. Lord, where are we going to get a manna burger today, Lord? Where am I going to get? It's way beyond where we are today. It's the promise that God has for your future. Amen. So he goes on to say, uh, nations of the earth shall be blessed or by him or by him bless themselves. And Abraham, Abraham listened and obeyed the voice. And then he, God is encouraging Isaac to do the same. And of course he did. He painted, God painted the vision and he grabbed it. Can we please look at a couple of, uh, a couple of other uh, guys that God gave vision to? Because I trust you are praying and seeking the Lord about personal vision and what God has for your life. But I, I want to just share a couple of things with you uh, from Job 22 and verse 21, Amplified Bible. Acquaint yourself with him being God. Agree with God and show yourself to be conformed to his will and be at peace. And by that you shall prosper and great good shall come to you. It's always better to be in the center of God's will while walking in obedience to a vision that He's put in your heart rather than trying to fabricate your own. Even if you can't always see all the ends things, remember that God knows the end from the beginning. And you know, you can just know in your heart it's going to be alright. It's going to be alright. Look at Job 21, 22 in the Living Bible. Quit quarreling with God. Agree with Him and you will have peace at last. His favor will surround you if you will only admit that you were wrong. Or how about this, that you just don't know. You just don't know everything. Just trust Him. Trust His advice. Trust Him versus what you hear on CNN or Fox Network. Uh, Job twenty two twenty one. the message Bible, give in to God. Uncle, <laughs> give in to God. Come to terms with Him and everything will turn out just how. Just fine. Look at this. Let Him tell you what to do. Take His words to heart. Come back to the Almighty and He'll rebuild your life. And He'll clean your house of everything evil. I like that. How about you? There was another individual that received a heavenly vision. See, we're all receiving heavenly visions. We're waiting on God, amen, to see what, what we're going to do for 2015 and, and beyond. Their short-term and long-term goal. Look what happened with, 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 um, with Paul. 
uh, he appears before um, Agrippa. He says, at midday, O king, O king, along the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when he had, we'd fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me, saying in Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Do you remember this account? Yes. He goes on to say, how he goes on to say, rise, stand on your feet. Verse 16, for I have appeared to you this purpose for this purpose to make you a minister and a witness of both of these things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. That sounds like a vision to me. Now, now, please understand, a lot of people in, in charismatic circles, they get hung up about vision because it has to be sparkly and fireworks and a wind and oil that happened on your Bible. Hey, I'm not against oil that happened. I'm not against feathers that showed up. I'm not against things like that, a wind blowing up. Did you see that? Wow, a cloud. But I'm more interested in what did he say? Okay, so what did he say? Well, I don't know what he said. I just know there was oil and there was a feather and there was a wind. Like, dude, dude, what did he say? <laughs> See, I could follow instruction in the word. I have a hard time following a feather. <laughs> Help me out a little bit, somebody. How are you going to follow oil? You know, you can't follow oil. You know what I'm talking about. D- friends, if there's oil, if there's lights, if, if, there's, if there's some kind of supernatural manifestation, hey, right on, I'm all for it. But you're following words, words. The angel appeared to Mary and said, Hail, you know, Mary, thou art favored. It isn't just that he will boom, check it out. <laughs> it wasn't special effects by Steven Spielberg. It was the word that was spoken. That's what she said. Be it unto me as you have spoken, not be it unto me as you sparkled or be it unto Come on, somebody, help us preach your alibis. Quit being sensationalistic about things and understand that vision and instruction comes through the word. So anyway, check this out. He goes on to open their. So I'm sending you to the Gentiles to whom I and then to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins, inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And then here it is in verse 19. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Can I just can we park there just for a few few moments here? I wasn't disobedient to the heavenly mission. I wasn't disobedient to the heavenly call. Isn't that interesting? I mean, when you, whenever people talk about vision, this is really, throughout the years, I've figured out what vision is. If people are having a hard time figuring out what vision is, it's what you do, why you do it, how you do it, and when you do it. <laughs> You know, that's, I mean, isn't that, isn't that vision? Like, like, okay, this is, this is how we do this. This is why we're doing this. This is like, for this purpose was Jesus made manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Is that right? So how did he, how he did it, why he did it through a manifestation of the love of the father, motivated by love and passion for mankind, how he did it, all these things equate to, in a sense, from, if you could look at it this way, vision. Like what you do, how you do. So in this case, he says, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient. So in other words, he did what the words were spoken to him. It didn't matter if it came through an angel or a lightning bolt or a cloud or smoke or a burning bush. He did what was asked of him. I got a question for you. When when you hear from God, are we going are we going to do what he tells us to do? Do you realize how important it is for you to do what he's called you to do? 
if you're a computer programmer and God called you to be a computer programmer, you know how important it is for you to do that programming in the name of Jesus? If you're a realtor, you know how important that is? If you're a lawyer, you know how important that is? If you're a sound engineer, did I say that? Do you know how important it is for you to be at your post and do what God has called you to do? If you're an usher... Do you know how important it is to make it happen? I mean, to, to usher in the presence of God? I mean, it's so... I mean, only heaven will tell how critical every part is as we're all doing what we're called to do. Anyway, moving right along. Um, let's look at Jonah. Is that okay? Let's look at Jonah. Here's another uh, g- uh, gentleman that came. There was a heavenly vision. And, and, and don't, don't be fooled. Just because there wasn't lights, camera, and action, and special effects doesn't mean that it wasn't a vision. All right, look at what happened. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of uh, Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh. This is Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. That great city and cry out against it for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish. What? He arose to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa. I'm thinking, wow, dude, really? I mean, you know, where can I hide from your presence? How many of you remember that scripture in Psalm 139? I, I go the lowest place, the highest place, the furthest place. You can't hide from God. So he went to hide from the presence of the Lord. And of course, you know what happened. He didn't want to receive the vision. He didn't want to receive the instruction or the mission or the vision from the Lord. And of course, he got himself in trouble. But there is a, there is a, a happy lining to this story about Jonah. Because I, I think all of us, come on. I think a lot of us have turned down an assignment or two that the Lord has given us. And I thank God that he doesn't quit on us. And if a lot of times, I'm not trying to scare you, but a lot of times when you're not doing what God has called you to do, you can get in trouble. Sometimes you may not notice, but but you can get in trouble. Jonah got in trouble. And so, of course, there arose a great tempest and they figured out it was him. He fessed up and they threw him overboard. And from there on, things got really fishy. (laughs) You ever been in that fish market? It's like really stanky. I mean, there's a difference between stink and stanky. I mean, the fish is so stale. Seriously stanky. I mean, I don't mind fish. I like fish, you know, but wow. I mean, you go through that fish market like, oh. You know what I'm talking about. And that's what it was like. It was like that fish market and maybe worse in the belly of that big fish. But see, aren't you glad that God's merciful? Out of the center of that, the whale of that large fish, it says that in Jonah chapter 2, verse 1, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord from the fish's belly and he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. Aren't you glad that God answered? And out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. Wherever you are on planet Earth, I don't care where you are. If you cry out to God, aren't you glad He hears you? Aren't you glad if you kind of missed it and you call on Him, He's going to hear you? There's a chance for us yet. Hallelujah. You heard my voice. You cast me into the deep and into the heart of the seas, etc., etc. And the billows, it describes it. You can read it on your own to save time. It says, I mean, weeds were wrapped around my head. And we're not talking about dandelion. We're talking about real smelly, fishy, probably seaweed. Ooh, I mean, seaweed. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, he went down. Ooh, it was bad down there. Uh, but he, his, he said in verse 7, when my soul fainted within, I remembered the Lord. No matter who you are, God's calling you to do something and you're saying, no, 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 I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I am not going to go do that. Aren't you glad that you could repent? Aren't you glad that it says here that when, you're, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord and my prayer went up to you. 
into your holy temple and and then he he went on to say I he made a face saying and I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving I will pay what I have vowed salvation is of the Lord so he got in faith thank God he got in faith because guess what happened the fish bloop popped him up and delivered him on special delivery on the beach and Jonah got a second chance everybody say second chance now watch this now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time Aren't you glad? Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach the message that I will tell you. So uh, Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word. Don't worry, it gets more exciting than this. Not quite as gross, but maybe more exciting. Uh, It says, he went according to the word of the Lord, and when he went and preached there, the entire city repented. It was awesome, because he obeyed God. I'm just wondering, realize how important it is for you to do what God is calling you to do. Take this seriously, friends. Let's take it seriously. Because God wants to really use us in the last days. Amen? So Nineveh turned. Now we're going to get to a place that I really wanted to get to. We have a good amount of time to work on it. And that is talking about the area of agreement and peace as it relates to the vision that God puts in your heart. We're going to go back to the story of Isaac. And I want you, I want you to please... Note in verse 12 of Genesis 26. Are you ready? Check this out. Then Isaac sowed seed in that land and received in the same year a hundred times as much as he had planted. And the Lord favored him with blessings like God promised, right? And the man became great and more and more until he became very wealthy and distinguished. He owned flocks, herds, great supplies servants and so on and the Philistines envied him he says a sign is a wonder blessed happy and to the envied is the man that fill in the blank I mean just read in the amplified version the book of uh, what Matthew chapter 6 and you're going to see that when you're walking with God you're blessed happy and to be envied in other words you show the goodness of God amen but notice in verse uh, 15, now all the wells which his father's servant had dug in the days of Abraham's father, the Philistines has, had closed and filled with earth. Now please stay with me. And it, he gets asked by the king of Abimelech to leave. You're too great for us. In verse 17, he went away, pitched his tent near Gerar. And then in verse 18, it says, this is where we're centering up for the next few minutes. All right. And Isaac dug again the wells of the water, which had been dug in the days of Abraham, his father, for the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. And he gave them names by which his father had called them. Now watch this, verse 19. Now Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a well of living spring water. And the herdsmen, verse 20, of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's uh, herdsmen, saying, this water is ours. And he named the well Isaac. Contention is what that means, because they quarreled with him. Now, now we've got to get this picture, because I, I don't want you to miss this. Remember that God told him, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to be with you, I want you to stay here. Don't go where this lust, don't go to Egypt, stay right here. I've got favor for you, I'm going to multiply for it. And then he's saying, fine, great, cool, I'll stay right where I am. So he starts to hit a few snags. The king says, please leave. This immediate, leave, leave this particular area. Go, so he goes to Gerar. So he says, okay, I'm getting rejected. I'm too, too prosperous. Okay, I get that. No problems. He goes to Gerar. They start digging up a well. And then all of a sudden, somebody say trouble. 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 It says that the, the herdsmen from Gerar began to quarrel with him. 
The, and, and they sing, the waters are in contention arose. And see, this is so important for us to understand that strife is a vision killer. Strife will kill and stop the vision. And if, if the enemy can't get you to disobey the call of God, God has said, I, I'm giving you a vision. Here it is what I want you to do. And so you step out to do it. And I'm telling you right now, if he can't get you on the side of disobedience, then what he's going to try to do is get you to get in a wrong space with other people. To cause strife to come and short circuit the anointing of God on your life. But I'm seeing that Isaac understood this as did his father Abraham. That he's not going to give in to contention and quarreling. What did he do? He says, who do you think you are? Is that what he did? You realize how powerful Isaac was at the time? No doubt he, he may have had a militia and many herdsmen. It was, it, the, the size of his herds were so large that an entire city and kingdom was saying, please go away, you're too big, you're greater than we are. So do you think he could have been puffed up in pride and said, who do you think we are? This is a, we, dug, we were here first, we dug the water, we dug the well. It's our, but instead, he didn't do that. What did, he did when the, what did he do when the opportunity for contention arose? I want you to read this with me. In verse 21, then his servants dug another well. In other words, they went somewhere else. Now, before I pass up on this, I want to run by you what quarreling means. So here's some thoughts to put a kind of an image in your mind of what it means to be quarreling, to wrangle. Altercation, a squabble, a noisy dispute usually marked by anger. It implies heated verbal contention, stressing strained or severed relations, which may persist beyond the contention. In other words, there could be an issue that arose, but that issue, even though there were words exchanged, it could have implications that will cause harm to the relationship. Oh, come on, friends. You see a young man meets a young lady. They fall in love. Oh, let's marry. And they just have stars in their eyes. Actually, they have sunsets in their eyes. We're going to go down that aisle. We're going to say, I do. I like it. I don't know about you, but I like it when the guy gets the girl in the end and they go down into the sunset. But that's a vision, ain't it? And that vision says, and now, and they lived happily you're not helping me enough today. And they lived happily after. There you go. But you see, what is it that ruins the happily ever after? Say it, Charles. Strife. Strife. Contention. Quarreling. Will kill that vision of that wonderful sunset. Riding up into... You know, when strife comes and visits your door, I don't care how nice your horse is. I don't care how nice that cowboy hat you were wearing or what, how shiny your spurs were. You have got a problem. Somebody say it with me. Strife is a vision killer. Absolutely it. So then he says that in verse 21, his servants dug another well and there and they quarreled over that also. So he named it Sitna, which means enmity. That's what that what he what he um, characterized that little experience with that little that little um, well. Now, let me read what enmity means. A very deep, unfriendly feeling, hatred, 
animosity, antagonism, bad blood, bitterness, gall, grudge, hostility. You know what I'm talking about. How many of you have ever been so upset at someone or something? You're like, oh, come on, I'm not. Th- come on. Thank you. Thank you. I'm starting to feel I missed the ro- I was preaching to the wrong crowd. But what did he do? Have you, have you ever heard these words like, step away from the fill in the blank and nobody gets hurt. Step away from the car and nobody gets hurt. You know, the big showdown. Step away from the whatever it is and nobody gets hurt. That's what he did. <laughs> uh, I got to share this. It just came to mind. Uh, one of my kids was taking karate, you know, kung fu, whatever. I don't know how you feel about that, but believe me, there wasn't any meditation or nothing like that. All right. These guys were Catholic. It's okay. It's okay. Is it okay, Steve? It's all right. It's okay. It's okay. So, so they had one senior, really super, super high up black belt type guy with, I don't know how many stripes, red stripes. Like you couldn't like, dude, he's what a zebra outfit, like something. This guy was super, super, super up in the, the big grand poobah. And he was teaching little children how to defend themselves. So he said, the very first thing you children, the very first thing you're going to learn about about defending yourself. And he goes like this. Are you ready? It's the fine art of run foo. (laughs) Run foo says if. It, don't stick around and try to show how cute you are and how your moves are. If there's an ability for you to get away, then for heaven's sakes, get away and use the fine art of run foo. <laughs> but then he showed the kids a couple other little moves in case somebody persisted and they weren't able to use run foo. So he showed them a little kung fu. And it was really cute. It was really fun to watch this grandpa type teach. teach. I better watch it because I'm a grandpa type too. But, no, but he was really a, maybe a great grandpa type. Yeah, right. Oh, sorry, Pastor Nancy. Good, I'm not winning here today. Anyway, he was teaching these little kids little moves what to do in case something went wrong. Okay. But anyway, the thought is, look at verse 22. And he moved away from there and he dug another well. And for that one, they did not quarrel. And he named Rehoboth, he called it Rehoboth, whatever. Gosh, these Jewish names. Room, saying, for now the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. So I just have something to share with you. Remember, God is the one that told them to be there, right? So then a little trouble arose. But, you know, let's not get bent out of shape when people come to us and they hassle us about this. We're like... Okay, come over here. You keep apply yourself in God, and you stay happy. Forgive people, and something mess, a mess happens. Like, okay, and you just go, just go and find a situation where it is peaceable. Amen. Find a place of peace. See, Isaac knew the same as Abraham knew. You cannot have the blessing of God in your life if you're harboring a spirit of strife. The wrath of man has never and will never. Fulfill the will of God. Never, 
Anger will never, never get you into the side of victory. Anger always hurts. It always destroys. Well, I should qualify that. Anger in the flesh. I'm talking about man's wrath and man's, you know, uh, man, because the Bible says be angry and sin not. So that's, a, that's an emotion that God has given us. And sure, you know, we're not to rejoice over when wrong, but only when right and truth prevail. And, and anger is, is, is an emotion that we can use to help fuel some action. But don't go to sleep on it and don't go crazy with it and let everything fly out of your mouth. Lord knows. Don't, don't admit it now, but you know we all need to curb that a little bit. Oh yeah, at least we have one honest soul in church. Hmm. <clears throat> okay, two honest souls. Do I see another one going two, going three, going four? There's another soul. There's another. Thank you. We have a few honest souls in the church here tonight. Thank you. So check this out. Isaac steered clear of strife and contention. And that is not... Um, an incidental fact that is actually part of a great strategy for us as Christians. Because even if God calls you to do some mighty work for God, you always, if you actually step out and obey God, there was always going to be people. And there's going to be somebody that's going to do something. <laughs> that's going to be someone that's going to do something. And someone's bound to be in the somebody safe flesh. Because we all live here. And that's why we're so instructed to do things like to be kind, long-suffering, patient, forgiving one another. As God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us. Is that right? Now, I'd like to just share a couple of thoughts about this because we're really in the meat of what I felt we needed to share tonight. Pastor, it was really interesting. He was sharing on vision. uh, I believe it was Sunday morning, either this one or the one before. And all of a sudden, he was really ministering along the lines of be careful about strife. Be careful about strife. And so tonight, we're reiterating that maybe with a little example that may help. James 3.16. This is a familiar a passage of scripture for wherever envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. There is not one time in my entire life, my short little life, where there was envy or strife or confusion manifesting that it was a blessing to me. Never, never. It was never good. Look at this for in, in, in the King James Version. Uh, did I say the wrong? I just read it. Okay, double double print there. Okay, Proverbs thirteen ten. Notice this: by pride comes nothing but strife, but the well ad- with the well advised is wisdom. So I thought about this. The only what he's suggesting there is the only way that strife can really start happening in your life, like between brother and sister, between husband and wife, between employer and employee, between citizens and a government. Lord, we need some help in our nation. Hallelujah. We ought to be praying, by the way. We need to be praying. We need help. We are praying. That's good. We are praying. But the thing is, it's through pride. Pride, and I don't know about you, but, but somewhere along the line where there's real contention and uh, there's a right way of dealing with things and there's a wrong way of dealing with things. Husbands and wives, like honestly, if there's something that comes up that's really, that's really controversial and you're going you're gonna to set a time to talk about it, it's, 
it's always good to pray first and then put it out on the table when you've made this appointment to talk about it. And, and some things may really touch you deeply and you may have some strong core values, but it's never helpful to just lose it and fly off the handle and just let her rip and have absolutely no restraint. <laughs> I mean, is that, when has that ever helped our marriages? Come on, somebody. When did that ever help my relation, your relationship with your, with, your, with your son or daughter? I mean, let her rip. Just hammer him. Just let her. No, it just never helps. It always helps to keep calm and say, okay, we have a situation. But here's the thought. It's you and me against the situation, not you and me against each other. You know, that really helps to not be at each other's throat. Because the moment you start fostering strife, there's every evil work and how can you possibly and then there's the silent oh, never mind the silent treatment let's move right along and we're going to get to the silent treatment in a moment so I heard it said once where um, so where, where strife is there is pride but wisdom is found among those who take advice that's the NIV version so think about it two people not wanting to be teachable thinking they're right and then there's this thing that develops I think this is hitting home with somebody I don't know I heard it said strife is the manifest presence of the enemy you know that sounds right to me disagreements misunderstandings arguments shouting matches wrath that just doesn't sound like vision fulfilling food you know just kind of like vision stopping food you know so just a couple of thoughts before we get into some things. Oh, Lord, where can I go with this? <laughs> I'll just say this, Keith, and I, I have absolutely have got to get into this other thing. It's possible to disagree without being disagreeable. All right. What does that mean? There are major points in life and then there are minor points in life. So if she likes Kellogg's and if you like Rice Krispies, don't get divorced over that. Don't get into big arguments over Rice Krispies and what was the other one? Cornflakes. Please, really? I mean, let's allow each other what's really important. And when something is really important, you pray about it. Amen? Big decisions. Big, important, really important things. You seek God. And what does the Bible say about things like that? He says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God in the book of James, who gives to all men liberally. He abrades not. And this is what's really cool. The wisdom from above, it's first of all argumentative. No, no, no. It's first of all logical. No, no. It's first of all foremost peaceable. See, these people that operate in vision... And the vision is being fulfilled in their lives. They're not fretting themselves because of, un, uh, because of evil people or because of circumstances. They've received the vision and they're going to guard their heart and they're going to stay in a spirit of peace. Say peace. 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 Hallelujah. God's peace. So I, wanna, I wanted to get into this because I think that this is, this is very, very helpful. One of those definitions that we talked about is hatred. And I know that you have experienced this somewhere in your life and if you haven't you will because it's a part of the human experience whether it's with a with a with a a, a family member or a fellow employee or something and and here's we're going to talk about hatred for a little bit and I'm going to read first of all from the book of 1st John chapter 2 and from the living translation verse 9 if anyone claims I am living in the light but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves another brother or sister 
is living... Let me read that. Anyone who loves another brother or sister is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But, verse 11, anyone who hates brother or another brother or sister is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way they go having been blinded by the darkness. Catch this. It was worth your trip tonight. How do I identify hatred? This is what I found. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 37, verse 4. Let's just read this. Let the word speak for itself. Israel loved Joseph more than any of his brothers because he was the child of his old age and he made him an elaborately embroidered coat. When his brothers realized that their father loved him more than them, they grew to hate him. Is that what it says? And they would not even speak to him. That's interesting. Let's look at verse 4 in the Amplified Bible. Well, when his brothers saw that his father loved Joseph more than all of his brothers, they hated him and could not say peace in a friendly greeting to him or speak peaceably to him. How about Genesis 34, 7 in the God's Word translation? Joseph's brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them. They hated Joseph and couldn't speak to him on friendly terms. What did the New New Living Translation say? They couldn't say a kind word to them. Think about that. People that flat are not on speaking terms. Has that ever happened to you? Come on. Where things got so bad, the shouting much got so bad, the feelings were so horrible, you couldn't even talk. I see somebody's going, yep, that's right. Now, I understand you could need to cool off sometimes, but friends, that is a prime environment for hatred to brood. I said it is. Jesus gave us, gave us some ammunition about situations like that. And it comes from the book of Matthew, verse 43 through 47. I'm just going to skip around a little bit because I don't want to hold you here all night. But the thought is here. When, at, when someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer. Matthew chapter 5 Somewhere between 43 and 47, that you know how Message Bible is. If you could find it, put it, put it, you could put it up there. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 through 47 in the Message Bible. Friends, when someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer. For, for then you are working out of your true selves, your God-created selves. I like that. That's what we are to do. What did Jesus say? He said, pray for those that despitefully use you. Man, there's a whole lot that I have about there about about this. But basically, you pray for people. You pray. you, You forgive them first and foremost. And you really believe God's best. And dare I say, the first Corinthians chapter 13, you know, the scripture of the love walk. You do that. You believe God. You believe the best of and for them. And you begin to speak that into their lives. That way that thing doesn't have a root on the inside of you. I have written in my notes, believe the best and ask for clarification. A lot of times when people get bent really, really, really out of shape, where they can't even be on speaking terms hardly, there is a misunderstanding. Well, how about you pray for a while and get the anointing of God on you and pray for understanding. Understanding. You know, I... I, Boy, that's a good one. Can I share that? Is that all right? 
Let me tell you something. You pray for understanding. And I'm going to go ahead and this is I'm going to go ahead and share this with you. Oftentimes to get understanding in a difficult personal relationship situation. You need a word from God for that. And you know, there are two challenges that I see. And I think that the second challenge is almost as bad, if not worse, than the first challenge. The first challenge is if you don't know what to do and there is no information available whatsoever. God, how am I going to win my fill-in-the-blank back, my friend back? How am I going to help them to see that I didn't really mean to fill-in-the-blank? All right, everybody with me on that? And there's no information available whatsoever. So it's a dry thing. So you're just seeking God. God, I need a word, just something. Just uh, There's nothing that I know about, nothing available. Okay, that's one, that's one challenge. But you know what the other challenge is, friends? Is that we have so much teaching and there's so much information. There are so many seminars that it boggles the mind. I mean, you say, I need, I need some information on marriage. So then you go on there and you, st- you see a gazillion websites on marriage and there's a gazillion messages you don't have enough time in a lifetime to dig through all of that information I mean you're just you're, it's like chasing the wind I don't need a thou, uh, three quadrillion words I just need one word from God where is it so I honestly there's I don't know there's nothing and then there's so much it's worthless to you it's like a needle in a haystack I found something out when you need a word from God do this release your faith to get the word that you need release your faith to get the wisdom that you need and I'm going to give a, a practical, very practical example. I had, there was a need that came up in our life, really a very strong need. And it had to do with family members. And we were really baffled, like, wow, what do we do now? And, and, and what the Lord had me do was he, he directed me, of all things, to go to a... To, to go look up something on marriage. I didn't think it, what we were dealing with didn't have to do with marriage, or I thought it didn't have to do with marriage. But what I did, he says, I want you to go look this up. I says, I was, I was really seeking God. I mean, come on, dads, you know what I'm talking about. You get before God and you start to see God. Moms, you know what I'm talking about. You say, I need a breakthrough here. I need to break through something. There's, there's, a, there's a mess or a strife or potential, something not going right in my family, and i got to fix this. And so he led me, he said, look up something on marriage. So I says, oh, good, I finally got some direction. So, and I even knew the minister to go to. So I went up and I look up and then, there's all these messages, uh, all these, not just messages, seminars, years and years and years of seminars. I'm like, my heart just kind of sank a little bit because I says, this is like looking for a needle in a haystack. So I just got quiet before the Lord and I said, God... I have a vision in my heart. Can I just bring this home? I have a vision in my heart for a happy family, for, for happy you know, in-laws, happy outlaws, <laughs> kids, grandkids. I have, a, I, have a hap- I have a vision for happy sisters and you know, what's left of my family. I, really, we, I want us to be happy. And I really need this. I, there's a vision, but unless I get a word from God, unless I get something, a supply here, we're, we're, on real, we're running out of time to try to, I mean, there's, there's something's not going to be severed here. So he gave me the direction. I want you to go to the very first one. I said, oh, really? I mean, that's old. 
I mean, the first one. You know, some of these guys, they actually put on the website things that go back to the 80s and stuff like, how many know you got to listen to God? Just because something was, in, was released in 2015 doesn't mean that's what you need. What if the supply, friends, what if the supply that you need is on a cassette tape? Can God work through a cassette tape? I was just wondering. My wife said, no way. I'm just saying. Well, I didn't go on the cassette tape route. But I went to, I went to a message that it was old. It was like decade old or more, more than a decade old. So I went there, you know, inside of 20 minutes, bloom, the wisdom of God was right there. I said, oh, it almost sucker punched me. I went, oh, there's the wisdom. There it is. So I just prayed over it and I said, oh, I had a treasure. I had something that was going to save my family. We need to get that. We need to get those things that are going to save our families. We need to bring our families out of places of misunderstanding. Misunderstanding. We've got to get them from stop missing the understanding and bring them to a place of understanding. That can help a grandma. That can help a grandpa. That can help a kid. That could help a, a young married. I'm telling you, having understanding can really change everything. And so I shared with the pertinent family members one at a time and the tears began to roll and the hearts were touched. And it was like, that's it. Put your hand. God put his hand right on it. And there was grace. And all of a sudden understanding came and my vision for a happy family, sisters and Grandpas and grandmas and great kids and all, all of that, I could suddenly begin to realize it. Now, why am I sharing this with you? Because strife is a vision. You have a vision for a business and you have a partner and strife gets in, deal with it. It's a vision killer. You just got married or you've been married for 30 years, it doesn't matter. 50 years. If strife gets in, it's a vision killer. But aren't you glad that he's giving you a vision in your heart that you could protect it? You could always follow after peace, move in the wisdom of God. Hallelujah. This is good. This is good, friends. This will help you. In fact, I wish there was more folks here that this could really help. Hallelujah. So in closing, I just want to share a couple of things. Let's see what I could do. Ah, wonderful. The kind of vision that we're walking in is more than just corporate vision. It's also personal vision. You understand, pastors ask for us to write things down. Um, So the same anointing that's on you, on us corporately, is also going to affect your family. Or have you figured that out yet? So I want us to turn to Psalms 133, verse 1 through 3, to show you how important it is to preserve unity in the bond of peace. And I'm reading from the New King James Version, Psalm 133. It's just three short verses, and it'll help you. It'll help you go all the way to the finish line with joy, with peace, and realizing your vision. Are you there yet? Psalm 133, familiar verse of Scripture. Are you ready? Behold, how good... And how pleasant it is for husbands and wives to dwell together in unity. 
How about church members to dwell together? How good and pleasant is it for pastoral staff to dwell together in unity? For brothers and sisters to dwell together in unity? Hallelujah! I said hallelujah! The brothers at Heart of the Bay. For it is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down the edges of his garment. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. Now I want you to catch this. For there... The Lord commanded the blessing in a place of unity, in a place of peace, in a place of concord. And Lord, it happens all over the Bible. In the book of Acts, when they were all gathered together in one accord, in unity, that's when the Spirit of God was able to flow through them. I got to tell you something. When I, you know as well as I do that you could be more in unity sometimes than others. And as, if you have a relationship, if you're, if you're in, in a relationship with people, and usually you are, so my primary relationship is with my wife, my wife, when we're in a greater position of unity, and I'm not just talking that we're not fighting, I'm talking about that we're both pulling in the same direction with vision. See, God doesn't want you to be passive right now. Don't just sit there and say, well, I don't want bad things to happen. I just, with well, a status quo. No, no, God did not bring you into the last days for status quo. He made you to run with a vision. To make an impact on your generation. Jesus is coming back and He needs you to take your place. And if you're married, husbands and wives, He needs you to run with vision together. Pressing toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Am I preaching real good right now? Hallelujah. And it's there that the Lord commands the blessing. There. Fathers and sons, mothers, daughters, mothers, sons, family, team members. That's where the, that's where the anointing is. That's where the blessing is. That's where you're going to... Pastor Tom, how are we going to re, realize the harvest at Hearth Bay? How are we going to make a real impact in our community? Well, primarily, it's gonna, we're going to operate through peace. We're going to be at peace with one another. We're not going to have to run around breaking up fights in the foyer. Hello, somebody. <laughs> Come on, help me out, somebody. God loves us all so very much, and He wants you to realize the dream that He's put in your heart. And we are realizing the dream in our heart. Hallelujah. God is good. So in closing, let me read three statements. Receive the heavenly vision. Receive it. See it. Accept it. Receive it. Obey or agree with the heavenly instructions. Just go with it. And third, pursue and probably the most, I, I guess, the, the final link in the chain that most of us drop, most of, many of us drop, is we need to continue to pursue peace in the process. Peace. Let me pray with you.